Hey friends, so good to have you with us for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting, uh, featuring as always Dr. Michael Gurian from Spokane, Washington. Michael, how are you today? Well, I am doing pretty good. We're, we're, we have ended our fire season, Oy. We, uh, but uh, which is good, and fall is being beautiful. So good. I'm doing good. How about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're uh, we're still in the hot weather as we record this, but uh, hope is on the way. So we have we have set here in Phoenix this summer. Uh, we didn't just set records; we broke records. And uh, one of them was that uh, in 2011 we had 33 days of 110 degree weather or more, and right now we're at 52 days uh, wow. in 2020. So, um, so for those who like to think of certain things as being signs of the apocalypse, 2020 has certainly checked off a lot of those boxes, <laughs> with fires and pandemics and uh, record temps and. Of course, the other day Denver was 100 degrees, and the next day they had a snowstorm. So uh, this has been a weird year, yeah. and uh, and it's not over yet. So uh, we've got a really good question today uh, from one of our listeners. And if you ever have a question that you want to post for us, you can do that actually in two ways. Uh, the best way is to go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And uh, you'll find a place there to submit a question. And then we put them in the queue and we get to them as soon as we can. But you can also go to Facebook and uh, just type in, search, do a search of Wonder of Parenting and join our group there. And you'll notice that parents are posting questions all the time. And basically, we're just allowing parents to chat with each other about that and offer answers from things they've learned. But once in a while, we'll pick up a question from our Facebook page as well that seems to be generating a lot of interest, and we'll answer those. But if you want to submit a question to us, uh, go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com, as this listener did, and uh, we'll be able to uh, get your questions in the queue. Uh, we have been talking for the last couple weeks, Michael, about our new sponsor, The Forge School. And uh, tell us a little bit again about them and their mission. Yeah, The Forge School is in Benton, uh, Tennessee, about an hour from Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the uh, hidden away against the mountains there, against a river, uh, 55 acres. It's an adventure-based therapeutic boys' school, so it's for teen boys who, who are having issues. So if you know a teen boy who is having issues in, in his school, in his family life, um, in his own development, um, uh, look at the Forge School. It's, it's uh, run uh, by the Kalo Division of Embark. This is a larger group that already has and runs a number of therapeutic schools for boys, for girls. Um, so they really know what they're doing. And then this school uh, is adventure-based in particular and is using a lot of the Gurian um, methodology. Uh, and so I'm consulting with them and um, working with them. And they're just a great team and it's a, it's a great school. So 13 to 17-year-old boys, therapeutic boarding school, the Forge School, and you can learn more on wonderofparenting.com. We're linked to them. So, Michael, if, if somebody had a student who uh, might be helped by this school, is this a, a year-round school, or do they go in for just a certain period of time until they sort of get their issues uh, dealt with? Well, it's generally longer. Yeah, six could be six months to 18 months. Um uh, so it can include a, a year, absolutely. Okay. So it is it is it's not like a traditional school in that sense. It's it's um, sort of like a long. Would it be fair to say it's a long inpatient uh, experience to help these boys get their lives back together? Um, oh, and they yeah, get an education to get an education. Yeah, yeah. it's you know it, inpatient implies a certain thing, but right. I know what you mean. Yes, the people the kids live there, so it's a boarding school. 
and the staff is trained in all areas, uh, you know, obviously of, of, of uh, psychological, especially um, uh, social work. And uh, so I, I see it more as boarding school than inpatient, yep. but I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Yep. And so parents from all across the country could take advantage of this. Yeah. And even the yep. world. I mean, yep. when things open up, you know, very often the these these therapeutic schools will get people from elsewhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, but for now, with things sort of being closed down, yeah, it's going to be the U.S. Well, we're we're just really thrilled to have them along with us for our Wonder of Parenting, and we're, we appreciate that they believe in what we're doing here on our podcast. So I want to uh, bring you this question, and uh, I've sort of titled it, Is This What Puberty Looks Like? And, and this is a question much deeper than puberty, but um, this is where kind of the starting point for the mom writing in. So here's the question. Uh, hello, I can't tell you how valuable your podcast has been for me over this last year. We're glad, we're glad to hear that. Uh, I am the mother of two boys, 10 and 7 years old. They could not be more opposite of each other. We have been on a journey this last year with our 10-year-old who has been diagnosed with anxiety, OCD, and sensory processing issues. He is a definite introvert while my younger son is very physically active, uh, overconfident extrovert. Uh, my 10-year-old has always struggled with being anxious and managing his emotions, but has always been very cautious and thoughtful. I never had to worry if he was playing outside alone because I knew he would be safe. I've noticed lately that he is taking more risks and doing things that my normal cautious and thoughtful boy wouldn't attempt, such as riding one of our beef cows, climbing on the roof of our chicken coop, using chicken eggs in experiments, he also seems to struggle more with his emotional regulation, and when he is feeling upset, overwhelmed, or stressed, these behaviors seem to intensify. I'm wondering how much of this might be related to puberty and hormones, and how much might be related to his anxiety. As a parent, I struggle daily with trying to figure out what things I need to be concerned about, and what it is, uh, and what is just a part of the natural growth and development. Thank you so much for taking the time to read this, and for all the important work that you both do. Um, so, Michael, before we actually get some of your impressions about this question, can you give us somewhat of a working definition of puberty and maybe puberty uh, in boys? Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Well, it, well, and before I do that, you know, I want to say, okay, listeners, you wonderful listeners, you got to write us some questions about girls too, okay? <laughs> I know, we always say this, you know, but uh, you're mainly writing us, in fact, 90, 95% are writing us questions about boys. Yep. And uh, so I'm just putting in parentheses, write us about girls. And the reason I'm saying that is I just saw my daughters and their spouses and they were saying, they listened on or off to the podcast and they were saying, what about the questions about girls? You have two daughters. Okay, so I had to slip that in. Well, um, you know what? I think it's because you guys all did such a great job raising your daughters it's the sons we're having a challenge with. So, but we are open. To, yeah, we're open to all questions about girls, but we do get a lot of boy questions. Right, right. And I didn't yep. get the chance to ruin a son because I didn't have sons. So, <laughs> so I probably would have ruined him. Okay. So, um, so I'm going to give a definition of, definition of puberty that obviously is going to fit boys, girls, everybody, and then I'll drill down. Um, so puberty, uh, as we know, has a number of functions, and it's a it's hormonally driven. And, um, uh, you know, whether it's growth hormones or whether it's your sex hormones, it's it's uh, wired in. It's going to happen. And it's um, uh, it's going to obviously change body and change brain. And body and brain are all one, really. But uh, change body and brain. It's going to make body become adult. Uh, everything from physically to sexually 
reproductively, and it's going to make brain become adult. It's going to, it lasts, uh, we have more early puberty now than we had decades ago. So puberty is starting for some kids, uh, and this is very much based on what they are eating and drinking, you know, um, uh, uh, junk food, etc. can make puberty come earlier, more dairy, there's a lot, a lot of work being done on why puberty is coming earlier. Um, uh, so some kids are starting to hit puberty at seven, eight, nine. Um, those are the exceptions, but it exists. Most kids are going to hit uh, into pre-puberty a little later, kind of nine, 10, and um, be moving into puberty substantially, uh, kind of by 11 to 14. There will be some kids who will shoot up tall, but they don't get hair yet. You know, they're late bloomers in some way, but they're really still in puberty. And so then that takes us to the brain changes. So the the as the hormones shift and the brain accommodates the hormones shifting it around, you are going to get more um, high risk behavior for all kids. Um, but drilling down, you tend to get more of the physically high risk behavior for males um, because there is a difference built into male and female puberty, which is that females, as they hit puberty, uh, more quickly start to close connectivity, in other words, build and you know and get the circuits built and closed that are gonna connect the brain centers for emotion and impulse, um, especially physical impulse to the frontal lobe, which is executive decision-making. So girls tend to make more uh, executive decisions earlier than boys, especially about what would make them unsafe. So, so that's gonna be especially physical risk-taking. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Um, whereas boys, those don't develop at the same time in general. So boys tend to have more impulse control issues. They tend to have more emotion regulation issues, uh, more obvious anger let's say, especially as testosterone is flooding and the boys are, both boys and girls are getting multiple spikes of, of their hormonology per day. Uh, boys, of course, 10 to 20 times more testosterone than girls. So now looking at her question about a boy, you know, he is going to do um, naturally more physical risk taking and, and it's going to be built in and the testosterone is going to be one of the reasons. So he's in pre-puberty at 10 if, if they see signs that he's really, you know, shot up suddenly physically or is already getting hair or something, then we would say, wow, he's, you know, immediately, he is in puberty. But I'm guessing pre-puberty with all of this already happening. Um, so his frontal lobe and his, and the, the midbrain impulses and the, and the brainstem impulses, you know, those aren't connected yet. So um, he's going to do these, some of these crazy things that are testosterone driven and that are resilience uh, that are actually going to be resilience building, 
but it, it can be unsafe and or it can look unsafe. Um, uh, so, and with this boy who has some anxiety issues, part of what he's doing and puberty is giving him the energy to do it. Part of what he's doing is actually trying to fight his own fear, you know? So he's doing hmm. these impulsive, dangerous things unconsciously in part because he doesn't like constantly being afraid. So his brain is sort of mixed in with puberty saying, let's fight that fear. Let's not be anxious. Let's, let's see how we do, you know? And so that can even increase his risk taking, but the risk taking she's described seems to me, um, you know, a, a, a little bit of that. She asked about, is it about anxiety? I think some is, and I think most of it is puberty. One of our other sponsors is the Center of Place of Hope, and they're up in the Edmonds area, Seattle area of uh, Washington. And uh, they've been sponsors with us now for a couple of years, and we're so grateful, as always, to their continued support of this podcast. And want to uh, thank Greg Jantz and, and all the great people who are working up in the Seattle area. And want to encourage you to go to wonderparenting.com and check out the Center of Place of Hope. Uh, I've mentioned this many times before. Not only do they have great inpatient care for a lot of different issues, all kinds of different issues. They've been voted one of the top 10 clinics in the country for treating depression. And if they're good at that, you know they're good at other things. But Greg himself has also written a number of books that are very helpful in dealing with things like anxiety, as we're talking about today, uh, uh, eating issues, whatever it might be, depression. And so I encourage you to go there. Even if it's just a first start, I think you'll find some great resources there. So, Michael, I want to pick up now and just kind of dive deeper into this question because not only does this boy seem to be moving into puberty, but he does have these issues with anxiety, OCD, and sensory processing. Um, how might that, uh, how might those things shape puberty, and how might puberty shape those issues for him? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting that some some kids you'll see an enhancement or amplification of their issues over the next year or two, like more anxiety, maybe more sensory, um, you know, integration or processing issues. And some kids you start seeing less. You start seeing that maturation and the hormonology and you know the the brain growth. Uh, the connecting of the various parts of the brain that's part of puberty and adolescence, that that can dissipate or diminish some of these symptoms or or one, maybe in all three of his areas or one or two of those areas. So they they can expect, I think, some, well, they can absolutely expect brain growth. So then they, they can watch this and monitor this and see, you know, see kind of how, how things shift for him. And there should be some shifting. Um, uh, and they, one of the things they can do, um, wait, I mentioned this in Saving Our Sons, and I also also in the minds of girls, for those of you who have girls, when you have a child who has been diagnosed with these issues, um, you know, it's very possible medication is going to be used. So there'll be behavioral interventions, but also medication, especially for anxiety and OCD. And it can be really helpful to get a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, to get them a gene test and in both those books, you're going to see a bunch of information on how this genetic testing works. And it's now very inexpensive so that you can figure out which meds and if they have to be done, you know, via your medical professional who will order them um, and help you interpret them, you can figure out which meds are going to work for this child and which meds are not going to work for this child based on his, her gene structure. Uh, so that's a very important thing. And especially when you're trying to treat these things as puberty is happening, 
with all the hormones, it's really good to know which drugs work for this child and his or her genes with his or her kind of hormone package or brain development package, which is genetically, uh, obviously a lot of it's genetically controlled. So um, that's the thing someone can do right away. And I think that would help in particular with managing the anxiety, the OCD and the sensory. So she's she's asking the question, you know, what are some of these behaviors that I should be looking at and saying, ah, that's puberty? And what are some behaviors where she might, you know, start thinking uh, we might need some intervention or at least some boundaries? Yeah. What kind of advice would you give her generally? Yeah. Well, one thing is, as I read this, I, and so she gave such great detail, she says, riding one of the beef cows, okay, I think that's probably within the realm of normal. <laughs> uh, she would know better than I about whether that's too dangerous. She should always trust herself, not me. Um, climbing on the roof of our chicken coop. I've I've seen and had chicken coops in my past. I, I think it's not too tall. I, I mean, any boy can do anything like break an arm by doing these dangerous things, as can any girl. That can happen. Um, but I kind of think climbing on the roof of our chicken coop goes within the range of normal. Um, and then using chicken eggs in experiments, and she puts that quote unquote. That's one that I that I would say um, uh, we want to really look at because if he, you know, one of the big lessons of puberty and adolescence for, for all children, for boys is, hey, you can't, you know, you have these impulses and you are taking these risks, but you can't hurt living things. You know, this is one of the great character lessons, one of the great developmental lessons that we want to give our kids. You can't hit hurt living things. And I think this is a way of maybe saying, you know, a chicken egg is kind of a living thing. And I think the experiment being implied here is he goes to the roof of the chicken coop and then he drops chicken eggs down to see what will happen, right? It's mm -hmm. a kind of mechanical brain development. His brain is is developing gray matter areas for mechanical processing and he wants to see how things work. And so, so I it would put this in the realm of normal, but I think this is one that we could do some character development there and some, uh, especially if he has, um, you know, he has some issues. I think that would be one I would touch on. Uh, and then then she says he struggles more with emotive processing when he's upset, which would make absolute sense. And um, his stress behaviors intensify, that would make absolute sense. One thing we can do in a situation like this is to talk to the dad, you know, for if this is a great resource for a mom is, is the dad, or a great resource for a mom is the grandpa or her brother kid's uncle, you know, get some guys who have lived through this guy's puberty, right? They themselves lived through it and get their advice on, okay, what, what here is normal? You know, what should I worry about? What did you do? You know, when you were 10, um, bring them into this picture to help her, um, to decide what's normal. What's what, what is high stress? What is not high stress? Um, and just remember though, that that point I made earlier, which is that for, especially for an anxious guy, that some of it he may be doing to help him manage his own anxiety and, and his own fear and to help him push through that. So that may be okay. Um, you know, and she just has to set a line and to set the line, I would get some more men involved here. Mm. Uh, you made me think of, uh, the old David Letterman shows where he used to climb up to the top of his studio and drop watermelons down onto the ground. Um, 
that there's just something about right. uh, seeing that kind of stuff, even if you're in not in puberty. Uh, and I don't know if it's more of a guy thing than a girl thing at that point, but to just drop stuff off of a building and see how it breaks. Or sometimes you get out a big um, one of those road rollers and uh, they would crush things. And those were the favorite parts of my show, of the show for me, was watching that stuff happen. I also thought about when I was a kid, now I was past puberty at this point, I should have known better, but one year we had a big snow in Minnesota, and uh, the, the snow drifts were high enough that we could climb uh, easily from the tree onto the roof of the house, and we had these uh, little plastic sleds, and we'd stop at the top of our, we'd start at the top of the roof of our house and slide down <laughs> the roof onto a snowbank below. Um, <laughs> those are those are some of the things that kids uh, do um, that uh, can be good teaching lessons. But some of that again is just normal risk taking to sort of find out what are my limits as a human being. Yeah, yeah that that's what's that is part of what's going on, and it does, and that's puberty. That's why puberty naturally builds a lot of resilience because um, you know our brain, our body, our hormones, everything is is making us take risks, and as we take risks, you know we're going to get pushback. Um, the pushback could be we break <laughs> we break an arm, you know, <laughs> right, and right. we and hey, that builds resilience too. By the way, I mean, even though we don't want our kids to break arms, but it does. And then all the more subtle or nuanced ways in which you take risks and the world pushes back on you, and you take more risks and the world pushes back and you push through obstacles and you know all that builds resilience. And your body, its hormonology didn't have quite as much of that at five, you know at seven, at eight, but by the time you're 10 to 14, especially for guys with physical risk-taking and for that sort of experimentation, like you've described with the snow or she's described with the eggs, or like I, we did this, uh, for some of my years we were in Hawaii and there was this bridge, we were in Honolulu, and there was this bridge and we would get eggs and we would throw eggs at the people coming below us <laughs> on the bridge. Now that, you know, that's illegal and wrong. We shouldn't have yes. done that. Um, and and we didn't get caught and really we should have. It was a bad thing and I don't recommend it. But but you can see the impulse, you know, that's, that's taking a big risk because the risk there is not just throwing the egg, but seeing if we'll get caught and right. the police will catch us, you know. I mean, that's going beyond where we should go. But but there's so much of that in our systems. And so, so yes, um, and, you know, every time we didn't get caught by the police, it built more resilience. If we had gotten caught by the police, by the way, we would have been punished. That would have built resilience. So, mm -hmm. so, so much of what was going on and what is going on for these kids is about resilience building. Well, and it sounds like this family is in a great place for this boy it sounds like a little farm area anyway i don't know how big it is but to have a cow and some chickens uh it sounds like a great place to be playing um let's talk a little bit about the ocd part of his life um i, I i'm really fascinated with the anxiety thing that he's taking some risks to push himself uh and uh, I, I thought that was really helpful what about ocd and and how does that impact his life what does puberty do to kids who are OCD? Oh, that's interesting. Now that's going to go beyond my that quest. That second part of your question goes beyond my knowledge base. Okay. Um, I think that's one that a medical, a specialist psychiatrist or or even a, a medical doctor would be better at answering. But I can answer one part about the OCD, which is I think I think the kid she has described. I think that his OCD is is somewhat minimal in comparison to okay. OCD that other people can have because if he's which is good news for yes. them because 
the kind of experimentation he's involved in, uh, you know, beef cows, chicken coops, etc., um, I seems like he has a milder OCD. I think a lot of that, if his OCD was dominant, I don't think he'd be doing those things. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be good news. And also with the sensory processing, you're right, this is a good environment for him. Um, he's, his sensory register where you take in, where the senses take things into the brain, um, experiences stimuli, I, I think that he has such a varied environment that that's actually good. He's gonna be able to take in um, you know, a lot of olfactory like smell and um, a tactile and he's he's not hiding from tactile clearly um, because he's putting himself in these very phys physical positions you know so he's not hiding from tactile stimulation so my guess is he he has a sensory integration issue or a sensory processing issue that's that's localized or specific um, and is not generalized and so that's going to be good that's that's also good news for this family for him and they may see uh, I mean, it's possible they'll see, he's only 10, it's possible they'll see actually, you know, an amplification of these symptoms later for OCD and sensory integration. But my hope would be that with his environment, with whatever, whatever are the behavioral um, accommodations that are being made, my guess is they're seeing someone, they're in counseling or they're seeing a psychiatrist who specializes, mm -hmm. that they're getting, you know, they're getting the help locally people who know this kid who are saying, well, do this, do this, here are the behavioral accommodations, do this. And I, I'm hopeful for them that as the kid moves through puberty, they're going to have some success with that um, because some of these things seem mild in him, which is, which is good. So because we, we don't often get a lot of girls questions, let's spend the, the, the last few minutes we have together, not to minimize girls, but what are some things that parents raising girls through puberty will experience that may be different than raising boys in puberty well for girls um uh, all the you know there is risk taking there are hormones right etc for girls since we only have a couple minutes left i'll just do a couple things one is what people call girl drama which is relational aggression among girls that is a place where girls take more risks you know girls are more are they're getting sh shots of oxytocin bonding chemistry they're they're merging psychologically with their their girlfriends and then they're pulling away psychologically and we have done podcasts on this and the minds of girls has a lot on this and and so it is within the range of normal for them to maybe not take as many physical risks although they will they will but maybe not take as many but to take more of these emotional risks and these are relational risks and we should expect that with them and um, go into puberty knowing that and so then we kind of divide the labor as parents and then our school systems do as well you know kind of divide labor in helping them knowing that for five to seven years maybe uh they're going to be doing these dramas and learning resilience and learning how to set boundaries through these dramas because that for them is is huge their hormonology and their brain growth and brain development you know it mixes together to make to make a relational bonding, a primary focus for girls' pubertal and adolescent development. Um, I call it in like the minds of girls, I call it the intimacy imperative. Um, uh, they're just as guys tend to develop, testosterone tends to develop more of a performance imperative with guys. Um, and intimacy is important to them, of course, but more of a performance imperative. For girls, the intimacy imperative, uh, they'll maybe default toward that and try to figure out what relationship is and what intimacy is and what merging is and what boundaries are. 
And that's very, very important for their development. So if I had to pick one thing, I would say be ready for that and know it's all within the range of normal for your daughters. And then, you know, protect them against bullying and cyberbullying, of course. Um, but then the rest of it that's going on, divide labor in helping them. Listen to them about the feelings they're having, but also help them to problem solve and figure out the right boundaries to keep with other girls and other people, uh, because that's some lesson they really need. And and on top of that, of course, they have their monthly experience of their period, which is a different experience than boys have with their hormones. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. That creates a kind. Of, that's part of what creates a different baseline for yep. male and female development, because girls are they become a woman. Uh, to some extent, psychologically, they're becoming a woman. Uh, you know, when they start to menstruate, we know that they still have much more development to go, but but they have that, and that shoots hormones through the system and and focuses brain growth and forces brain growth toward maturation um, uh, that boys don't have. So for boys, we don't have that. So that's part of why societies have been so important for boys to mature them uh, into men, and uh, uh, societies are equally important to help girls mature, but girls do a lot more of it internally, and boys need more of the external society, mother, father, extended family, coaches, mentors, you know, uh, peers. Um, boys have generally needed and still need a lot of that because they don't have menstruation. So they're, uh, we, you know, we do get the hits of testosterone every day and we get, you know, we grow hair our groin and all of that but it's it doesn't do what menstruation does it's just it's just a small part of of um, psychological maturation um uh, as compared to the psychological maturation that girls get biologically and and more naturally so yeah i'm, I'm glad you brought that up well uh this has been good as always michael just to uh have a chance to, to chat with uh one of our listeners via her question and then uh our chance to kind of talk about it and go into other directions as well we we always appreciate hearing from you and getting your questions and hopefully if you're a long time listener now or even just a fairly new time listener you know that uh, we always give our listeners questions the priority so if you got a question wonderofparenting.com wonderofparenting.com and you just go down the page a little bit. You'll see our sponsors there. You'll see some of the products that we have available to help you in your parenting or in your classroom, and then a place for you to submit your question. Also, remember to go over to Facebook and do a quick search of Wonder of Parenting and join our parenting group, and that way you'll have access to all of these wonderful parents who uh, can share insights with you, and you can share your insights with them as well. Michael, thank you very, very much. Oh, Thanks, Tim. Great questions. And thank you all for listening, and we look forward to being with you next time for the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.